0: Your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket.
1: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today, I've got Larry Wingett with me. Larry and I are going to talk about business, and we'll take your calls and answer your questions. And when Larry's here, you never know what's going to happen, but it's always going to be exciting and informative. Larry, welcome back.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Hope you're doing good today.
1: I am doing good today. Hey, you know, I was listening to one of your rants this morning. Uh, and there were two things I got out of it, and then then I got to experience one of them firsthand, and I thought, what good timing. So in one of your rants, the two things that I want to talk about today from that was, one, the the idea of professionalism and kind of being the voice and guarding your industry against those things. I want to come back to that one. But you were also talking about um, if you condoned or if you – allow something or put up with something, um, it's the same as condoning it. And, you know, I have a problem with this one. I always feel like I see this stuff, I pay attention to it, and then I think, you know what, I just don't have time to correct everybody. But you're absolutely right. That's why it just keeps getting worse, because we don't take the time, no matter how busy we are, to point it out. So to give you an example of what happened today, I'm still on the road, by the way, from the same trip, The last time we did this show, um, I've been on the road since February, the first week in February. Um, So I am currently in Colorado Springs, and I pulled into a KOA last night. Lisa and I have been staying at KOAs forever. We really like them. This particular KOA, we spent almost an entire summer here, probably seven or eight years ago. Had a great time, loved it. So I pull in last night, and it's late. I just got done with the three-day show. I drove about 600 miles to get here because I wanted to get to this park. So I got in late. I plug into the power, and the power's not working correctly. And I thought, well, it's too late to mess with this, and I'm just going to run off the generator, and I'll be fine tonight. So the electrical systems in these coaches are pretty complicated, but I understand them really well. I spend a lot of time in them. Those kind of things interest me. I'm good at troubleshooting. So I get up this morning, and I troubleshoot the problem, and it turns out it's not my coach. It's their pole. So I thought, all right, instead of, you know, kind of demanding that they fix this pole, there's an open spot right behind me. I'll just back into that one. I hooked up. Everything worked. So I walked up to the office to tell them. And... She said, okay, I'll get somebody right out there and you're fine in the spot you're in. She said, but I have to give you a new car pass. And I said, well, I don't need a car pass. That's fine. And she said, well, no, I have to correct the number on your car pass. I said, well, I don't need a car pass though. I don't have a car. And she said, but did you get a car pass last night in your packet? I said, yeah, I did. I don't need it. I don't have a car. She said, But now you have a car pass with the wrong number on it and I have to correct it. And I said, Okay, give me a car pass then. Um, so I left. Thought, well that's kind of funny, <laughs> you know, just so I'm hooking up in getting set up in my new spot. And I've got a lot to do today. It's a busy day. I have you on, I have a class I teach this afternoon. Might have to get back out on the road again. But I see that they've already sent a maintenance guy out to work on the <clears> pole. And I thought to myself I don't really have time, but I could probably save him 15 minutes of troubleshooting because of what I've already done, so I'm going to go help. So I walk over, and I said, good morning. I said, you know, I I already know what's wrong with this pole. I said, it's got the wrong breaker in the 50-amp plug. And he said, we use these breakers all the time. And I said, well, you might, but it's the wrong breaker. And he said, with an attitude – just, and I've I've been really pleasant so far, in our fifteen second interaction. He said, "Just so you know, you're the first person out of fifty to have a problem with this poll." And I thought, so I guess if it worked yesterday, it has to work today. Is that your logic? But I didn't say that. But what I did say, I said I was, "Well, just so you know, that's the first poll out of about two hundred that my coaches had a problem with." And he said, but watch this. And he he plugs his voltmeter in, and he said, look, it has 122 volts. I said, you're right, it does. I checked that, by the way. I said, see that 30-amp plug right next to it? Stick your voltmeter in there and tell me how many volts it has. And he said, 122. I said, see the 15-amp plug right next to that, the really little one, like a household plug? I said, stick your voltmeter in that tell me how many volts it has. He says, 122. I said, are you noticing something here? Do you think I could plug my coach into that 15-amp plug and power everything? And he said, well, of course not. And I said, well, then what good does 122 volts do? The volts aren't the problem. I said, it's not putting out enough amps. <laughs> so he he was not happy with me, and he continued to throw tools. and. But as I... As we're speaking, I'm looking out in the front of my coach and him and two other guys have been working on that poll for about an hour and a half, even though there's nothing wrong with
0: it. <laughs> and that's the way it works today. Nobody <laughs> wants to be proven wrong. So they they're they're looking confirmation bias. They want an opinion that agrees with them. Uh, even if it's uh, a right opinion or wrong opinion, it doesn't matter. We just all – we want people to confirm what we're ready to believe.
1: (laughs) As I was walking away, I said, you know, just in case you need one more piece of proof, I said, see that spot right behind us where I just plugged into? Everything works. And it has the right breaker, by the way. I'll I'll show you the difference. We use these breakers all the time. (laughs) All right. But I, I I think this time, not only well, they, did I take some time to try to help him, I think I'm going to take some time and write an email to the KOA owner here because it is a good park. But obviously they could use a little retraining with their employees.
0: Yeah, and most people would just uh, – and, and we do this when we go in restaurants or we in any action with any kind of a interaction with any kind of a business, Then when we have a less than wonderful experience, we just kind of write it off and go, oh, well. You see, I believe – It's what we started off with, that what you tolerate, you endorse. If you're willing to put up with it, you're condoning it. And it makes you an accessory to the crime uh, because you're not willing to speak up, say something about it, and correct it for the next guy. And when I look at it, and believe me, I have a wife that when I start into one of these, uh, she just rolls her eyes and goes, can't you ever let it go by? (laughs) I said, if the last guy had corrected it, I wouldn't be having this experience. And that's the way I look at it. I don't want to – I think I'm screwing the next guy by not fixing it. So I'd rather deal with it so the next guy gets better, a uh, uh, better experience than I just had. Because if the guy right before me had done done that, I wouldn't be having a bad experience.
1: You know, and I've been bad at that. I have. And you have now become like that, uh, like the voice of my conscience, like the little voice on my shoulder saying, you know what? You gotta say something. <laughs> you gotta do something. And you're right. We we do. And you know, I guess I always looked at it like she said, "I want to be complaining all the time." But but now I get it. You're right. It, every time we let it go, it just becomes more acceptable.
0: Yep. <clears throat> Sucks, doesn't it? And it hates to. And it, 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 it's hard to be that person, Kevin. It really is. Sometimes it's hard to be that voice that. Of integrity and the voice of ethics and, and the voice who speaks up, because you do feel just like a big whiner and complainer and the guy who's always griping about everything. But somebody has to speak up. And here's the deal. It's not that you're the only one. If you influence the next person to speak up and, and eventually all of us speak up, it can all be corrected pretty quickly. It's that most people don't speak up the reason it's gotten this bad. So what I do is encourage, just like we're doing right now, speak up, and don't be an ass about it. Speak up politely, but firmly, uh, and um, be willing to do that. And when we all do that, then customer service in the world gets better.
1: Well, and that's what you've done. You know, this is something, and and I didn't just hear you say it once. I've, I've heard you say it many, many times, and it's finally sinking in. I, I've been really paying attention and <laughs> because you're right and, and maybe you and I today will influence somebody else and, and it, you know I don't have a problem with the nice part I really don't I, I don't have to be a jerk about it but you know sometimes I felt like I'm being a jerk just even bringing it up and that's just not true you know I'm sure the owner of yep. this business doesn't want his employees acting like that but if I, if I don't point it out he may never know All right. Well, I can't believe we blew through that first segment already. Let me uh, get to a break. We'll come back. We have plenty more today. Larry Wingett is here with me. We'll get to your calls and questions today. I've got a lot I want to talk to Larry about. Larry always has a lot to say, so we will do that right around the corner. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingett's here with me. The website is com. We're going to get to your calls in a little bit. So, Larry, the other thing I, I got out of that, and oh, by the way, I went to uh, the restaurant Proof on Main. Thank you for that recommendation. I had a great time.
0: Good, good. I'm glad you did.
1: Yeah, and I talked to the people at Mercer. They loved having you in there, so that was... Uh, that was always good to hear, and I know. Oh, cool! Yeah, I knew that would be the case. So you were talking on that same rant about professionalism and and kind of speaking up about things going on in your industry too, which was a little different than just you know the customer service and things in general. And this is something that that I don't struggle with at all. I, I have been very outspoken. Um, criticizing things I see happening in my industry, even when it's other organizations or other people, um, but that's not an easy thing to do. I'll give you an example. I, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of competition in what I do. I honestly wish I had more. There's, there's so much of a market. I, I think that I'm serving a very underserved customer in what I do. But recently, I've started seeing a little more. You know, the whole social media thing makes it easier to become an expert, per se. I hate that word. Um, But So when I see, you know, a video, a YouTube, uh, you know, a Facebook Live where somebody is giving advice to other people in this industry, I always pay attention, I always go watch it, and... Clearly, there are opinions, and everybody can have a different opinion, and there are facts. And if I see wrong facts, I'm absolutely going to point them out. But I'll also point out opinions that I think are based on faulty facts. And you can tell me it's your opinion all you want, but if you built it on faulty facts, I'm going to point that out. So I happen to see somebody claiming to be a trucking expert, and they're going to help people in business. And they even called themselves a business coach. Um, So that always, you know, puts up the red flag. So I get to their YouTube channel, and the first thing I see from this business coach telling people how to make more money is he's asking for donations to buy new podcast equipment. And I thought, huh, why would I want to get advice from a business coach who can't afford his own podcast equipment? But when I pointed that out yeah. <laughs> when I pointed that out, you would have thought I kicked his puppy.
0: Wow. So he actually could defend that position? Oh
1: he not only did he try, he has his followers and they said I was just being mean and what was wrong with him asking I said look, I don't care if you want to ask for donations, really, I don't. I, I, not something I would ever do unless it was you know for other people for a good cause we've done that' I've never once asked somebody to donate to my business the The way you donate to my business is pay for my product or service because you want it and you see value in it. That's how you can you know support yep, my business exactly right. for me to for me to see somebody who is claiming to teach you how to make more money have to ask for donations do you not get the problem with that well you're just being mean you know he's just getting started he's new well then he shouldn't be teaching other people that that's my whole point you're you seem to be missing the whole point but yeah they he thought there was nothing wrong with that position didn't see the irony and everybody thought i was just being mean
0: Well, irony is something that's lost on so many people. I had somebody accuse me this week uh, of being mean um, because of a very similar circumstance. I, you know, I don't like it, and that the rant that you're talking about, I got fired up on that one, didn't I? You
1: did. That was good. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: was was about people bombarding me with their marketing efforts trying to sell me things that they haven't first qualified me for. So I have people bombard me with requests, uh, let us teach you how to be a speaker. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm in the Speaker <laughs> Hall of Fame. I'm pretty high up in my industry. You can't help me be a speaker. And then I have people uh, several times a week, let me help you write a book. Well, I've written six New York Times bestsellers. I think I know how to write a book. And and they go on and on and on and on. Let me show you how to get on podcasts and radio shows. I'm on national TV a couple of times a week. So... They don't take the time, and that lacks professionalism. Now, the fact that I point that out, I was told that I'm mean, and that that's how you ought to do it, and sometimes that, that's the only way to get started. It's not the only way to get started, just like you're saying uh, about the guy with donations for podcast equipment. What we all need to do is step back and be more professional, but the language of the Internet is hyperbole. And hyperbole says that we get to say whatever we want to about ourselves, whether we're an expert or whatever, and nobody should challenge us. And when somebody like you or I challenges them, then we're considered to be the bad guys. And that, I, I'm just incredulous about that's how far it's gone.
1: It, and it, you know, it, it seems to be getting worse that, that people are so hypersensitive and just looking to be offended. And, and they're even looking to be offended from something that wasn't even directed at them. That, that this had nothing to do with them, but I was mean for <laughs> pointing this out. And I, no matter how many of... So then I went on and I said, okay... You know, let's just pass on the whole money thing then. I, you know, I tried to make my point, obviously, you're not getting it, that, you know, why would you listen to somebody about how to make more money? That podcasting is not expensive. You know, this this isn't a big deal. No. Um, so I said, let's skip that point. I said, let's just get down to some of the facts. because I watched his video. He's just wrong. Well, you know, there are more than one ways to do things. I said, mm-hmm. oh, I know that. absolutely. I said, I I could tell you ten ways to do this particular thing. This isn't one of them. This is just wrong. And when it's wrong, somebody needs to say it's wrong. Well, it's his way. (laughs) But he's trying to make it somebody else's way, and it's just wrong. And, of course, then I was being mean again.
0: Yeah. Aren't you a terrible person for pointing out that somebody could be wrong? Kevin, I recently uh, saw this huge success guru uh, talk about how no one should ever invest any money until they had at least a million dollars in the bank. That was his advice. Don't invest any money in anything until you have at least a million dollars in the bank. Now, I didn't name the guy that I saw post this, and he has lots of followers, certainly more than I do. Uh, But I said I saw a popular success guru today say this, and I said, that's just bad advice. I don't care if you've got $100. You ought to be investing 10% of it. It's just always right to be investing, saving, doing the right thing with your money, uh, regardless of how much money you have. And to wait until you have a million dollars means that the bulk of society will never invest or save. And that's wrong, and it's dumb advice. Well, one of his followers saw me say that and went to him, and so he immediately went out to his million-and-a-half Facebook followers, he has a million-and-a-half, Wow! and said, my friend Larry Wingate, we're not friends, and he sicked them on me, and they all just started to trash me, and- and he said, come on my, uh, my show with me, Larry, because he runs a big show, and we'll debate this. And I said, why would I debate this? You're wrong. But you want to set me up with all the people who listen to your show so they can berate me? I'm not interested. But you're right. There are so many people out there just giving bad advice, and how dare any of us who simply know better. I told him, I said, you're never going to find anybody in the whole world with, who will agree with you on that nobody's going to say that's good financial advice to wait that long to ever invest. But they'll stand by it. And the more you challenge them on it, the madder they get.
1: You know, and that one would be so – that one, to me, I'm just completely blown away that anybody would even attempt to defend (laughs) such a crazy position. Why don't we find a 100 people that have a million dollars and ask them that question? Because I I can guarantee anybody that has a million dollars already will not believe that philosophy for a second.
0: No, because the way they got their million dollar was by investing when they had a (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars.
1: Unbelievable. So, uh, you know, I I just came from uh, the biggest uh, industry event, the Louisville Truck Show. Uh, I spent three days doing seminars, had a great time doing it. And I did something very different this time. I've done a little of this before, but I spent the entire three days not really talking about trucking. I spent three days, and these were seminars about trucking and and being successful and making more money and becoming a, a motor carrier with your own authority. But I spent three days just talking about business. And I know that I had some people in there that were very unhappy. I also had some people in the the group that spent all three days with me. Absolutely loved it. But when when I come back, Larry, I've got to get to a break. When we come back, I I want to talk about that concept of what's really more important. You know, the, the absolute details of your industry. I'm not saying they're not important, but I don't think they're much use if you don't understand business itself. And I spent three days just talking about business. I know you do this a lot because you talk to so many different industries. So I want to touch on that topic when we get back and we can get to some of your calls and questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. Larry Winget is with me. Check out his website, LarryWinget.com. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Winget is here with me. We're going to be taking your calls and questions in just a little bit. We're talking about business. So, Larry, here's the way I put it this weekend, and there's lots of different ways you could say this, but I basically started off by saying business, any business and every business really only has two responsibilities. The first one is to serve the customer. And, unfortunately, in this industry, for a lot of reasons, the word customer almost never gets spoken. I'm just shocked at how I almost never even hear the word customer when we're talking about business. And second, every business has a responsibility to make a profit because if you don't make a profit, you can't stay in business. And fortunately, the best way to make a profit is to serve the customer really well. And then I proceeded to spend, you know, three different seminars over the three days talking about just business itself. You must see this a lot.
0: Yeah, I do, because I do, uh, in all of my other work, work with so many different clients that if I tried to be so specific about whatever industry, uh, there was no way I could be in business. Because I understand that you know, the trucking industry is just like the speaking industry, and it's just like the landscaping industry, and just like uh, owning a dry cleaners. If you don't get business basics down, it doesn't matter about the specifics, because I believe the specifics, we get off in the weeds, and that's what I call it, getting off in the weeds about, but you don't understand about my business, And my response is, you don't understand business, right? because businesses, and I'm saying just exactly what you just said, businesses exist for one reason and one reason only, and that's to be profitable. That's it. And the only way to be profitable is to add value to an end user. You know, I heard this old line a million years ago by Earl Nightingale, said, all the money you're ever going to have is currently in the hands of someone else. And that's profound. All the money your business is ever going to have is currently in the hands of someone else. And the only way to get it out of their hands and into yours is to provide value to them so they're willing to share it with you. And when you do that, then you have a profitable business. And how you do that is is not as important as that you do that. (laughs)
1: You know it it's amazing. I thought earlier somebody told you, you know, words didn't matter, but you just gave a quote from Earl Nightingale, which I'd have to go back and look, but I heard that at least 30 years ago and it's stuck with me ever since. Oh, sure. And and clearly it's stuck with you. Just, you know, a couple simple words that have impacted me constantly for 30 years.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm surprised to hear you say that in your industry the word customer doesn't come up. And it's really sad. And I, and I hear that a lot. I, I've talked to people, and they're talking about their business success, and they make it all about them. And it really doesn't have much to do with you. Uh, your business's success has to do with the customer, not as much with you. That's how you serve the customer, and it's the value you bring. But it's always about the customer. And I've always tried to focus on how would this serve others better. You know, I posted a meme today, and the meme, and I have people who aren't, they're not understanding it. It says, whose problem are you solving? You've got to be in business to solve people's problem. And if you don't understand that, that you must be solving the customer's problem. In fact, I just checked before, we, only one person said, I'm solving my customer's problems. Only one. Everybody said, it's well, I solved my problems, or I solved my kids' problems. You have missed the point.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I kind of understand why in, in trucking, in the industry, I deal with the very small carrier, why the customer has gotten lost. But I, I'm trying to figure out a way to get people to understand this. So imagine a business like this, Larry. Imagine that if I wanted to go into the trucking business today— Right now, brand new, this is my first day. I don't have to do any sales or marketing whatsoever, none. Now, it doesn't mean I shouldn't, and that's the point I try to get across to people, but if I'm in business today, day one, there are 600,000 loads posted to move today, and I can go just grab one if I want. So... It's a very unique industry. How many businesses could you start that the work is just sitting there waiting for you to take it? And I think that's where we forget that there is a customer out there that needs to be served. Yes, there's a lot of work. That Most of that work isn't paying all that great and that's what everybody's complaining about because you've got to go find the customer that really needs some problem solved and needs what you can bring them and the value and then you'll find that you won't have to complain about rates there especially right now 30 i'm going into my 33rd year in the industry this is the best year i have seen the entire time i talked to uh, somebody, and he's one of our other speakers at the CMC. He's been in this business forty plus years. He said the same thing. He's never seen another year like this, and yet we still have a lot of people complaining. And I, I was doing a show, and and I talked about trying helping these guys identify their customer because you know we have the shipper that that wants the freight moved, the receiver that's going to be getting the freight. We might have, more than likely, we have a freight broker in between. We could have another trucking company in the middle. We could have two brokers in the middle. And it, I guess it could get confusing for people who the customer is. And I said, look, there's a real easy way to know who your customer is, no matter how many hands are in the pie. Whoever wrote you the check, just, just start with them. This is what I was about to say, it's the person who's got the money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let, let's just start with them. Yeah, yeah, we do need to serve that shipper well, and, and but start with the person who's paying yeah. you, because they're your customer to start with. And I had a guy call me after I went through this whole spiel, and he, and he was screaming at me. And I was talking about how you provide more value to your customer, and that's how you get better, and... And he called me and he said, you're just so wrong. You're you're talking about brokers and customer service and value. And the brokers don't know how to provide customer service. They never have. None of them do. And and he was angry. And I thought, I I was a little confused. And I, I said, wait a minute. I said, I work with a lot of brokers. Some of them clearly don't know how to do that. But that's common in every business. I said, but there are some great brokers that really get this. And he said, none of them do i work with hundreds of them they've never provided me service and i said oh wait a minute you've got this so backwards i said they're your customer and he said no i'm the customer and i said wait a minute he said i pay them and i said hold on i said i do the accounting for a lot of these companies i have never once seen an owner operator write a check to a broker always the other way around that makes it very clear who the customer is here and he said but that was my freight that was my freight that that broker got from the shipper and he's taking a piece of the profit and i said that was not your freight you did not go into that shipper and sell that account the broker did and he's paying you to do a service and he screamed at me and dropped an f-bomb and hung up
0: Wow! Well, it it just goes back to how simple uh, business really is, and how complicated people try to make it. It really is as simple as I'm in business to to be profitable, and it goes back to the only way to be profitable is add the value, and it then it the next step is so who has the money? That's my customer. It's really so simple. It it,
1: it's simple enough that that you've written a really good piece, and I had planned on you know going through that piece today because it, it's so good and it's it brings us back to what's really important and i don't think we're gonna have time to do all of it today but could you kind of tell us about your 10 rules of business success and i know you've got this on the website so people can download it but just just give us the quick version of that
0: yeah. well really i can just hit a couple of the very top ones and the number one rule for business success is to do what you said you would do, when you said you would do it, the way you said you would do it. You see, I believe that's what everybody wants from us. We all want everybody we do business with, whether it be our customer, whether the be uh, <clears throat> all the different people, to do exactly what they said they would do when they said they would do it the way they said they would do it. That's about honor and integrity. By the way, that's what your spouse wants from you, that's what your kids want from you, and that's what you want from your kids. We all want the other person that we're in a relationship with to keep their word, and that's what it comes down to. And the next step is a deal's a deal. Uh, It doesn't matter whether it was a good deal or not. If you made a deal, you live up to the deal because you gave your word. That's about commitment and honor and integrity again, and you do the right thing no matter what. And the right thing is not always the cheapest thing. Uh, It's just the right thing. So you always do the right thing every time. And then you have to be the person and the company that people can count on. I mean, when you are dependable, that's what people want. Uh, I'm working on a new piece, and and it'll probably become a new book about predictability. People, uh, and, and I'm thinking about calling the whole thing, you need to become a McDonald's hamburger. A McDonald McDonald uh, uh, sells 75,000 hamburgers a second.
1: Larry, let me let me come back I, hamburgers I, a I second. I really want to hear this. I've got to get to the break. This sounds like it's going to be good. Stick around, we'll be right back with more stuff from Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingate's here with me. We're going to get right back So I want to I hear that point. So, Larry, Larry, go on with your hamburger story here.
0: Sure. I, we all need to be a McDonald's hamburger. They sell 75000 a second. How do they do that? It's not because it's a good hamburger. It's not even because it's a cheap hamburger. It's not even because it gets to you fast. It's because it's predictable. A hamburger in, uh, McDonald's hamburger in Paris tastes just like one in Mexico City and just the very same in Muskogee, Oklahoma. They all taste exactly the same. It's predictable. And that's what our customers want from us is the predictability, the dependability, that whenever they come to you, it's going to be the same every single time. And when we understand that about our business, that we can become so predictable. The reason I'm in business today after 30 years of doing this is because I'm predictable. My results are predictable. It works the very same way for you. You couldn't do this for as many years as you've done it if your results weren't predictable. And that's what every single person, regardless of their kind of business, your drivers, your businesses that you speak to on this podcast, uh, they have to understand that their goals should be so predictable when the customer says, here's what I'm looking for. Your name is the first thing that pops into their mind.
1: You know, I... I um... I I couldn't agree with that more. I think about it all the time in business. And and sometimes, you know, especially the more you do this, the easier it gets. But then there are those times when it's not easy for some reason. I I had a a great example of this myself. I've been on the road. My schedule's been really busy. I've been doing way more speaking than I normally do. And I accepted an invitation to speak up in Minneapolis. And I knew I was going to have a tight, you know, driving schedule to get up there. And... Then they also asked me, they said, you know, the night before we're doing a reception, we would love to have you there. Normally, I don't commit to those kind of things. You know, normally I'll say, well, let me, I'll I'll let you know. Let me see my schedule. And I said, you know what, I'll be there. I, and I committed to being there. I probably shouldn't have because I knew I was on a tight schedule. Well, I had about uh, seven and a half hours of driving to do that day to get up there. And it was going to be tight. And I woke up. And I, feel like I had, felt like I had been run over by my coach. I felt awful that day. The last thing I wanted to do was go drive. And I looked at my schedule and I said, you know what? I could sleep most of today. I, I just don't feel good. I need some rest. I could drive a couple hours, get up tomorrow, and be up there in plenty of time for my presentation. And then I remembered I told them I would be at the reception. I didn't say I might make it. I said, I'll be there. And I drove that seven hours. I couldn't have felt worse the entire seven hours. But that's what I thought. I, I, I said I would be there. Maybe next time I shouldn't do that. But I said it this time, and no matter how bad I feel, I'm going to drive there.
0: Well, we've made our word and our uh, – even in my last book, I talked about our core values. We've made them situational and conditional. If everything's going my way – then I'll keep my word. That's not how it works. You keep your word because it's your word. It's the right thing to do. You said you would do it, so you do it, regardless of how you feel about it in the moment. Situations don't change the fact that you made a commitment. You know, when you, when you sign up uh, your mortgage and you say, I'm going to pay you every month this amount of money, they don't care whether you're sick or not. You know, they don't care about anything that's going on in your life. They don't care whether you got laid off. They don't care. You said you would do it, and they expect you to do it. And that's how I look at my bills, and that's how I look at my word. I have a commitment to my commitments, and that's what we have to get again, a commitment to our commitments, not because of convenience, not because it feels right, not because of any emotion that I'm experiencing. It's just it's the right thing to do.
1: You know, it's interesting because i it was your voice I would hear as I was trying to justify why I could skip this time. I didn't feel good. I, I was going through all the reasons, and, and then I was saying, well, you know what, it's only a reception. It's we'll, But it was your voice I was hearing saying, none of that matters. It doesn't matter that you don't feel good. It doesn't matter that this is just a reception. You said you would be there. and." That's why I kept driving.
0: Yep. And just think if everybody that was out there running their business uh, did that, if they just kept their word all the time, and it's not easy. The problem is, and the challenge is going to be in your industry. If there are six hundred loads, six hundred thousand loads ready to go, we get by with not doing well.
1: Right. We do.
0: We get by with just being mediocre.
1: In today's That's a shame,: it is. in today's trucking world, you don't have to be mediocre, you could be subpar and still get to work. And, and it really is a shame, so it's, I, I'm trying to reach the people that don't want to do that though, that, that realize no matter what's going on in business, yeah. that it always pays to run yeah. a good business. Um, what do you say we take a, a call from one of the listeners? Sure, cool. Let's do that. Let's go to Georgia. Joe, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you. Uh, gentlemen, it is an honor to speak with both of you, and I'm calling today to get some customer uh, service tips on how to wow a customer because I have a, a unique opportunity coming up in the month of May. Originally, I thought I was going to be uh, without a truck because I'm putting a driver in my current truck at the end of April, and I don't take delivery of my new truck until the end of May. As luck would have it, though, a friend of mine is taking the entire month of May off and was looking for someone to drive his truck, least onto the same carrier. So I agreed. And in talking to him, I learned that he has the same route every week. He has a tri-haul that starts in Dallas with a specific customer, goes to Columbus, Ohio, where he picks up from another specific customer, runs over to California with that load, and then back-hauls back to Dallas. Um, I... There's the, both of these shippers in uh, Dallas and Columbus have enough freight uh, that it wouldn't impede on my friend's route, but uh, I would love to wow the customers so that I could get in on that same, same backhaul. I'll have the opportunity to interact with those two customers for four weeks straight, and currently, you know, I'm safe, efficient, on-time, courteous, polite. Uh, you know, I, I try to maintain an excellent level of customer service. But I'm looking for some tips that, that I might be able to implement to stand out so that at the end of those four weeks I can say, hey, Mr. Customer, I'd like to haul your freight every week. What do you think?
0: Larry, what do you got? Well, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot that's been written, and it's really popular these days to talk about wowing the customer. And I think what wows the customer the most is uh, meeting expectations, the consistency, the predictability. And all the things that you enumerated that you do, uh, I think that is a wow factor. I don't think we have to, uh, to do much more than that. I think if you try to do more than that, it looks like Maybe it's manipulative or that it's it's hokey in some way. If you're doing those things every single time, to me, that's a wow factor. My buddy Joe Calloway wrote a book called Be the Best at What Matters Most. What matters most to that customer? You know how you find that out? You ask them. In the four weeks we're going to do business with you, what's the most important thing that you expect from me? And they'll tell you, and then you do that every single time. And then when it's over, you say, look, that's what you said was the most important, and I delivered on it.
1: You know, Larry, I'm glad you said that, and, and I, I, I find it interesting that sometimes we just skip the easiest stuff. Just ask. And, and the other thing that I try to do with a new customer like this is, without being over the top or you know making all kinds of wild claims or promises, I just like to communicate that I am going to do those things up front. That, that they matter to me and, and their business matters to me. And, I, I, you know, let me know what you need and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to be consistent. And sometimes just communicating those basics goes a long way. Larry, did we lose you?
0: Oop. No, I'm Either. sitting here. I totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that hard. I do think it comes down to basics. I think it starts with great communications. What do you want from me? How would I uh, be able to absolutely meet the most important thing to you? You see, I think that's the, the best thing to say to everybody. What's the most important thing to you in this transaction? And once you know what the most important thing to them is, deliver it. Really, it's that, it is that simple.
1: That, that is pretty simple. Larry, I know you've got a busy day today. I certainly appreciate you coming on here and providing all the value you always do to myself and my listeners. Check out LarryWingott.com, everything you need to know. He's got podcasts, videos, free stuff, books. Get it, follow it, listen to it, and uh, just do the hard work. So, Larry, again, as always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next month
0: all right thanks for having
1: me take care the website is let's truck.com get our app downloaded if you haven't done that you'll never miss a show right at the top of every page on our website let's truck.com you'll see the link for the app it does one thing it does it really well you download it you open it up and you listen to all of our shows I think there's over 600 shows in the app already, and you can listen live or anytime you want. Thanks for joining us. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Kevin Rothenberg. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us, and we will see.